You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On SEC Podcast. Happy to have you guys along today on the show. We'll hear from some of the SEC coaches coming off of either wins or losses over the weekend. Some of the big things standing out, particularly Kirby Smart. Given the latest on JT Daniels, yes, he is eligible to play and expected to play this week against Auburn, but will he be the starter? Will he name a starter? Will we see multiple quarterbacks? A whole lot of questions to be asked. We'll hear from Kirby Smart in just a second. Also, we'll catch up with our buddy Dan Matthews, part of the Chuck Oliver Show. We'll get some thoughts on him, on the Georgia quarterback situation, and what to make of some of these teams after just one week of play. We love to overreact to things. There are definitely a lot of folks overreacting to the week one of SEC play. I am Chris Gordy. This is the Locked on SEC podcast. Remember to subscribe. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. And it is officially SEC week two getting underway as we start to close the book on the game from this past weekend and start to look ahead to some of the games coming up this weekend. Later in the podcast, we'll take a look at some of the early betting lines on some of those games. Maybe not previewing the X's and O's just yet, but just looking at some of the betting lines coming out for those games. All right, I mentioned some of the coaches talking today. Let's start off with our guy Kirby Smart, who's discussing the latest on JT Daniels finally being medically cleared. They measure his ability to move around on that knee compared to his other knee, and they've been looking for certain barometers uh, to be able to hit that uh, that number, and uh, he was able to do that. So that's that's very fortunate for him. But he's still got to be able to go out there and prove to us that he can do it uh, in the game-like situations, in the practice-like situations, and um, that's not easy to do during the week at times. It is one of the more intriguing storylines of this week heading into week two. Can't remember the last time we were in a position where Georgia didn't know who their starting quarterback is. Felt like Jake Fromm for the longest, and has always kind of been a guy that they knew would be the guy to lean on at the quarterback spot. And here they are with, we saw Dewan Mathis, we saw Stetson Bennett, and now here we are with JT Daniels, the transfer from USC, being medically cleared. But do you want to just throw him, quote-unquote, to the Wolves with Auburn coming in this weekend? It is a uh, an interesting situation for the Georgia Bulldogs in week one. We'll, we'll talk all about that with our buddy Dan Matthews coming up in the next segment. Next bit of audio, if you guys saw on social media a picture that was making the rounds on Monday, Dan Mullen catching up with Steve Spurrier in the hallways at Florida. It's funny, it feels like not too long ago we were talking about Steve Spurrier coaching at South Carolina versus Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, and now here they are both working in the offices of Florida. Of course, Dan Mullen, the head coach of the Gators, and Steve Spurrier now kind of a do-it-all, help out with donors and just kind of be around to help answer any questions that Dan Mullen might have and provide his feedback. Hey, even if you're not asking for it, Steve Spurrier is going to give it to you. Here's Dan Mullen on Spurrier. You know, he comes in, gets his workout, checks on different things. But uh, when he came down, he has his office. You know, he'll come by, make some, have have some thoughts on on different things and football thoughts for us. Um, and and I, I just love it. I mean, it's just he's a guy that comes in and says is is not judgmental. I mean, I think as everybody knows, he's not afraid to give you advice on different things or give you his mind or speak his mind or give you thoughts, but always does so in a very to me in a positive, constructive, helping way as a coach. Is so I, I think it is great to have somebody like that around that just sticks his head at every once in a while to, uh, you know, to give his thoughts on what's going on. 
So there was Dan Mullen talking about Steve Spurrier. It can't hurt to have a guy. Look, sometimes you're going to have a guy who's going to butt in and provide unwanted feedback. If Steve Spurrier's talking, I'll listen to what he says, especially if you're Dan Mullen, especially if you're a guy who knows what you're doing on offense. Spurrier wants to lend a helping hand or just give a little feedback. I'm open ears if I'm Dan Mullen. Also in the SEC, Ed Ogeron having to clean up some mistakes and look at film with his guys and asked about fixing those issues and blocking out the noise where there's a lot of negativity out there right now where his players may be hearing some not-so-great things about their football team. You know, block out the noise. You know, my, my Twitter machine's off. I just got to focus in on the task at hand. Look, the game's over. The season last year is over. Uh, whether they say one year, one or whatever, that don't bother me. I don't care. Uh, this is about our football team. And you know what? It's kind of good to batten down the hatches a little bit, tighten it down, turn the Twitter machine off, and really focus in on, on beating Vanderbilt. And that's all we can do right now, and that's going to be the focus of our football team. The one thing I want our team to understand, now I told them in the locker room, when you win, I give you the credit. When we don't win, I take it. But it's my job to fix it. And I guarantee you this week, we're going to start fixing it. So there you go. And Ogeron says they're going to start fixing their mistakes. He's putting the blame on him, but let's face it, a lot of those players – just didn't look ready to go. Miles Brennan, the lights looked too bright for him. I know you're without your starting quarterback and Derek Stingley, who was very, very good, if not the best in the country. But some of those other guys had to step up, and they did not against Mississippi State. Let them complete passes on them all day, including some long third downs. Some that went for touchdowns, just some inexcusable mistakes from the LSU defense. Lastly, the winning coach in that game, Mike Leach, always a great, a great soundbite. On Monday, Mike Leach asked about his face mask in a very Mike Leach way. He responds. Coach, uh, I want to go to Saturday's game for just a second. You didn't have a wear or wear a face covering actively for a lot of the game. Uh, why not? Well, I tried to remember the best I could. Then I found myself talking all of the time, um, you know, because I'm calling the plays as well. So I was in a constant state of talking. So between uh, me taking it down to talk, uh, me lifting it out, uh, up and it uh, falling down on its own and me remembering to put it back up, I think, uh, uh, you know, there were a number of challenges there. But, uh, you know, with uh, with a little practice, who knows, it may be better this week. How do you do it? How do you do it with your face mask? Did you Are you a pretty good face mask guy? I, I do my best. What, uh, okay, so let me ask you, let's get a few pointers here. Okay, what do you do when the, uh, so, um, it does the breathe in thing on the mouth. What, what kind of face mask you got? I got a, just one I bought off Amazon that, you know, goes around my ears and that kind of thing. So the ears and then this, right? Yeah. See, I've got that face sock thing, which is good and bad. It sits right on your neck instead of hangs from your ear. But then, uh, do you do you ever find that you know, and, and then pretty soon, um, you know, those things will start to smell bad, and, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're going, you know, what's that smell? What's going on out there? No, there's nothing going on out there. That's your breath. And then, uh, so uh, now I need to I need to practice with that. But what what do you do um, when you're talking? Did you have a trigger or something to remind you when to pull that thing back up? Because I I found myself uh, too preoccupied to do it, and then all of a sudden I notice it's around my neck there. The one and only Mike Leach saying it only how he can. I say it all the time. you got to love Mike Leach being in the SEC. 
I think some SEC West coaches are not going to be happy about Mike Leach being in the SEC now just in terms of what he's bringing offensively. But at the podium, behind a microphone, is there anything better than Mike Leach? Just one of the more regrets of 2020 that we did not get SEC media days with Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin. This is the Locked On SEC Podcast. Dan Matthews coming up next. We'll get some clarity from him on the Georgia quarterback situation. Look, let's face it. When you need something for your car, a lot of times we always feel like, oh, it's just easy. Let me just run to, to the chain store across town and go get what I need and walk up and down the aisles and then got people pestering me. Hey, can I help you find what you're looking for? And then half the time they don't even know where to find it. They got to go type it into the computer to find the part. Save yourself the hassle. Go to rockauto.com. They will find what you are looking for for your vehicle. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com, the place to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything that you need. We've talked about it before. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you're looking to do, whether it's a new car, car, an old car, classic, whatever you need for your car, RockAuto.com has all the parts available for your car or truck. When you go there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car is ever going to need save yourself the hassle rockauto.com locked on sec rolling along here as we transition from week one in the sec to week two a big slate of games coming up this weekend but before we look ahead we got to look back a little bit at what happened this past weekend some surprises from across the conference, some good, some bad, and join us now to talk all things about the SEC is our uh, buddy Dan Matthews, been covering the SEC for a long time, executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show in Atlanta. Dan, what's going on, man? Oh, man, you know, I mean, uh, of course, for guys like me and you, I don't think there's any secret that uh, we root for a team in Baton Rouge. That wasn't fun to watch, but <laughs> overall, it was great to see uh, all 14 teams in action, and little by little, starting to get everybody back on the field and uh, get back to playing. Yeah, I want to start with. I want to get your thoughts on a on a on a couple different games, but I want to start with Georgia. I know you've you've been close to that program for a while, and uh, have seen Kirby Smart transition throughout the years. And man, I don't know if I ever remember it being uh, this questionable at the quarterback uh, spot. And we know we got some news on JT Daniels today, but let's start with. Your overall thoughts on what Dewan Mathis looked like on Saturday and why ultimately he was pulled? Well, I think he was, you know, kind of the, the, the product of bad luck in certain situations, but also too, I mean, I just think that you probably asked him to do a little bit more than he was prepared to do. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have an entire season last year. And not only did he not have an entire season, he didn't have a chance to really go through contact or much of you know, heavy drills during practice because he was still dealing with the removal of that brain cyst. So uh, I think that that played a part into it as well. Uh, I also just think that the offense is nowhere near being installed. And, um, you know, I think that it's a situation where they didn't have the spring. He really had very little mini camp. I mean, just with the, you know, uncertainties you had with the season. So I think that that played a little bit into it as well. And I just think that, you get to a certain point where, what was it, seven to five, I guess, at the half, that uh, you just say, all right, let's put a pause on this for now and let's give it to somebody who 
has been in the program a little bit longer and also, you know, a guy that I think can run the offense that Kirby wanted to be able to run just from the standpoint of he knows that he's got the players to do it with more of the pro style, uh, heavy run, uh, attack that they had. And then their defense was able to play the way that many thought their defense could play. So, uh, I think it's unfortunate, uh, you know, for him that, that he got pulled, but, uh, we'll see, uh, what that means for him going forward. And, also, see what happens uh, when, when, and if uh, JT Daniels enters the fold. All right, let's give me give me your grade for Stetson Bennett. What did you make of him? Thought he looked good. Thought he took control of the offense, made some good throws, and it was good to see he actually had his uh, his jersey stitched up this time. Yeah, I'd give him a, a solid uh, B minus. I'd say because you know he didn't necessarily do anything that you would say, all right, you won the game because of Stetson Bennett. But he didn't do anything to give it away either. And I think that his job was just to come in, stabilize it, kind of take a deep breath and be able to, you know, make the offense work the way that you wanted it to work, at least for today. Um, so I think with that, I, I would give him a solid B-. minus. I think a C would be too harsh going the other way. And I think a B-plus or just a B in general would probably be too generous. So, I, I just think, you know, when, when you do things and, and you stabilize things and, and you're able to be the quote unquote, the, the, the haunted word for Georgia fans, a game manager, um, you know, that's something that uh, people want to a little bit more of, but I would say be patient and, and let this thing install itself and let these guys get more comfortable with it. I mean, it takes other guys as well, uh, to be able to uh, make this offense work the way that they want it to. And, uh, let's be honest, they hadn't gotten that just yet. All right, so we heard from Kirby Smart on Monday. JT Daniels is officially cleared and available Saturday versus Auburn. But here's the thing. You're playing Auburn. Do you take the chance of taking a guy who was just medically cleared, coming off a knee injury, and throw him out there against Auburn? Or do you, like you said, if they're still installing the offense, take your lumps and say, look, we think Stetson Bennett can be a good game manager. Let's give JT Daniels a little bit more time. How do you think they handle this? Well, they did trust him out on Saturday. So, I mean, I think that a lot of people believe that JT Daniels was going to have an opportunity, but then I guess, yeah, he, he wasn't cleared to uh, go through contact, and, and now he is. I think that you got to give him at least a shot. I, I think that you've got to at least give him a series or two with this offense to show what he can do. Uh, when that comes, I guess, is up to Kirby and Todd Munkin. But um, I think that if you do want to work him in, and eventually you do have to find um, a starting quarterback for this team that's going to be the guy, then this is a chance for you to at least give them some snaps and give them some looks. And, you know, and I think it'll, it could also be a, a feel thing. I mean, we've seen uh, Steve Spurrier do it in the past. We, we've seen other coaches do this in the past. I mean, you know, Dan Mullen's done it. Um, you know, just other coaches have, have gone with two guys and, and figured out what works and then, you know, be able to uh, settle on the guy from there. Um, so I, I think that that's what Kirby, at least from what I heard, you know, he doesn't have a set guy and, if he doesn't feel like he has that guy, then maybe he does roll with uh, two or three. But I, I think that you can't do the two or three much longer. If anything, you got to kick it down to two and be able to figure out what situations work for this guy. Do we feel better with this guy running this certain amount of plays and this certain set of plays? Um, because, you know, soon enough, it, it becomes a situation where the offense, the receivers, the running backs, the offensive line just kind of look at you and say, all right, like, you know, this is just too much to keep up with. you got to simplify it for us. That was going to be my last question with Georgia is, outside of the Florida game, is Georgia good enough to just maybe, you know, game manage at the quarterback spot, lean on your defense, lean on the run game, and just win games that way? Obviously they won't be Florida that way, but 
feels like they might be able to run through the majority of the rest of their schedule doing that. Well, and Alabama, I guess, as well. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Say, like, just, could be tough. just lean on your defense and run game, and Georgia can win a lot of games that way. I think early they can. Uh, I think that early on in the season you can because you're not going to have the offensive continuity for the most part with a lot of these teams. They're going to be tested this week with Bo Nix because I think we saw against Kentucky – uh, he was able to make some plays, and that's something that uh, Auburn in the past, we've seen Gus Malzahn offenses, they're the most successful when they have a good running attack. I mean, even when Jarrett Stidham was there, the year that they won the SEC West, you won it because of Cameron Petway and on Johnson. I mean, that's that's the reason why you were playing in Atlanta, but then look what happened when you had injuries to your running game. When they went into that game, they had no answers. So if they don't have the running game going, Gus Malzahn's offense can be in trouble. Now, it's Chad Morris. And I think that Chad Morris, obviously, with his work going even back to the high school days with Gus, uh, there's a little bit more familiarity there. And maybe they do have a little bit more of a jump in terms of being able to install uh, than, say, a Todd Munkin could. Or, you know, uh, I mean, even though Steve Ensminger is there at LSU, was there last year. I mean, you know, with somebody like Scott Lenahan coming in. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's, steps that need to be made in terms of uh, teams being able to fire on all cylinders offensively. But um, I do think that uh, you are going to see an Auburn team that uh, is able to put up points this weekend. And I think that Georgia's key is going to be, can you replicate what you did in terms of not only being able to get the football back defensively, but also being able to maybe score or at least set your, your offense up with very short yardage to be able to uh, score some points uh, later in the game. I mean, I, I do think that Georgia is going to need to get more pressure on the quarterback, and they are going to need to be able to get a turnover or two and and, and score off those turnovers if they're going to come away victorious this weekend. I mean, I know that Vegas has them, uh, has them as the favorite, but uh, I think that uh, you've got an Auburn team who not only is coming in and, and is tired of losing these games, uh, this is something that could propel them going forward, too, where they say, all right, the Iron Bowl late in the season, we feel good about our chances. Talk with Dan Matthews, been covering the uh, SEC, working as part of a Chuck Oliver show as well. All right, Dan, if I asked you this question, which team was hurt the most by not having a warm-up game? And you know what I mean by warm-up game, you know, playing the, you know, the Citadel and schools like that. Would you say Kentucky, Texas A&M, or LSU? Which one was, which one would have benefited most from a warm-up game? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that LSU would be. I mean, that was uh, just it was it was a tough one because it wasn't necessarily disappointing. I mean, yeah, if you see some disappointing things from Miles Brennan holding on to the football a little bit too long, uh, the two interceptions he had, uh, and and just you know frustration from that regard. Sure, you did, but Chris, he still threw for 345 yards. Right. I mean, it wasn't like you know he completely just you know had an awful game and, and looked overwhelmed out there. I mean, he still looked like he was somebody that can make some plays for you. And that offense looks like it can make some plays. The fact that you consider a, a, a reigning national champion has not lost uh, their opening game since 1998. So uh, that was frustrating, but uh, you could definitely make the case for the other two teams as well. Yeah, I listened to some of the fine bomb callers yesterday, and I was you know, a lot of people calling in, Bama fans particularly, making fun of LSU and kind of dancing on their grave. And I'm of the belief, Dan, I think that game said more about how good Mississippi State can be, and Mike Leach is putting the rest of the SEC West on notice than it does that LSU was bad. Look, LSU was not good. Don't get me wrong, but I feel right. like they'll make them. They'll make the corrections and all this. I'm just telling everybody right now, Mike Leach is going to be a problem in the SEC. Whether it's oh, there's 
Bama, whether it's Auburn, put yourselves on alert. Mike Leach is out, is out, you know, and he ain't playing around this year. The, the good thing about the air raid that Mike Leach teaches is he not only had exactly what he wanted in terms of being able to get an experienced quarterback who knows the system like KJ Costello was able to do and come in and, and, the, and the, the scheme itself is easy to learn, especially if you're an experienced quarterback. But they also too with Kylan Hill have a lot what Joe Burrow and LSU had in Clyde Edwards Delaire last year. And Kylan Hill is somebody that probably got on a lot of people's radar on Saturday, but also too with this system now of being able to show you what he can do in the passing game as a running back, he's going to give himself an opportunity. And uh, this just in, I mean, we saw it last year with, with Alabama's defense against this LSU offense. They didn't fare so well against a lot of these same, uh, a, a lot of these same principles offensively that, uh, we saw from Mississippi State on Saturday. So, uh, I think you're right. I, I think, I think they're going to get somebody that they weren't supposed to get. It's going to be, uh, people, uh, maybe over the offseason going to Starkville, Mississippi and, Asking Mike Leach, hey, what do you do here? What do you do with this one? What do you do with that one? And and being able to uh, try to learn uh, a lot of film study with him. Uh, a couple more real quick. Was Tennessee lucky on Saturday night that South Carolina didn't get that punt, or good teams make good plays? I think good teams make good plays. I mean, I, I it's it's a situation with Tennessee that a couple of years ago they lose that ball because they just don't have the team, they don't have the experience, they don't have the depth. They don't have the belief, and I think that, you know, there is an art to winning games like that. I mean, for the longest time, people have dinged Dabo Sweeney and Clemson for winning games like that. I mean, you know, last year when they barely beat North Carolina, people all overrated, you know, all this, and then they come back out the following week and they just absolutely run uh, Louisville out of the stadium. I mean, you know, it's, you know, football is is just such a weird game where you have performances – like we saw on Saturday, and then you know you, you have performances where they come out and they beat somebody by a lot that you didn't anticipate they'd be able to do. Uh, I think that Jeremy Pro has got something special there, and I think too, you know, the other part of it as well is unfortunately I don't know if their quarterback situation is as as set as you would believe that it would be with a guy like Jarek Warrantano being there for as long as he has. I mean, because remember he came out in the bowl game last year against uh, Indiana. So uh, I think that he's had his starts and his stops and his fits um, during his time at Tennessee. But uh, the fact that you're able to go on the road, and again, too, like I said about Tiger Stadium not being the same. I mean, williams Bryce at night is not an easy place to play. Um, even at 25% capacity, a lot of teams would lose that game. So I think credit goes to uh, Jeremy Pruitt for not only winning that game, but also to Chris, what he's been able to do in a short time of changing the mindset in that program where it looked like last year when they lost to Georgia State, and then I forget who they lost their second game to, you're thinking to yourself, boy, Jeremy Pruitt might be, you know, a a year and a half for this job and then back to being a defensive coordinator. It just might not be for him, but i got to give it where it's due. I mean, he's been able to change the mindset quickly and and get the momentum going the complete opposite direction. And I think that Tennessee is uh, showing that they're more for real than they've been in a while. Last one, uh, were you more impressed with Florida or Alabama in week one? I would say Florida. I mean, the fact that you're able to hang up uh, half a hundred, uh, even though some people might question how good that Ole Miss uh, offense is. First game of the season, Dan Mullen able to get up uh, 51 points out of his offense. That's huge. I mean, that is 
that is something that it puts a lot of people on notice where he's not only, you know, starting to really get a hold of what he expects out of Kyle Trask and, and the rest of this offense, uh, he's starting to recruit better too. And as Dan Bowen has proven during his time at Mississippi State, he didn't necessarily get the greatest recruits, but let's look in the NFL and see how many guys he's got playing on Sundays because he's been able to evaluate talent. So I think now that those crossroads, Chris, are starting to meet where he's able to continue to evaluate talent and evaluate it well. But also, too, he's starting to get more four- and five-star guys to say yes to come play at Florida. And some of those guys now are getting on the field. So uh, I think that it's going to be a situation where, you know, you're, you're able to see this uh, Florida offense uh, put up some serious points this year. And with uh, the defense that he's got with uh, Todd Grantham and, and the pressure that they put on teams and their propensity to be able to get turnovers, um, I, I, I'm, I'm fully on, on board with Florida being the favorite in the East right now just because of how good that offense looks on Saturday. Um, and I think it very much is going to be looking to uh, that matchup down in Jacksonville for uh, who has the right to uh, represent the East in uh, Atlanta for the SEC Championship game. He is Dan Matthews. What's on the Chuck Oliver show this week? Oh, we have got, uh, for the rest of the week, uh, Chris Landry will join us, as uh, he does. And then uh, Dave Bartu of uh, College Football Matrix, uh, tell everybody to go check him out. And then uh, Brandon Boykin, uh, new uh, new addition to the uh, SEC Network, uh, former uh, Georgia Bulldog. He's going to join us as well. So uh, got a lot of great guests. Uh, always check us out. Uh, we're noon to 2 live every single weekday. Uh, but you can also uh, download the uh, Southern Sports Today app and uh, check out the show 24-7 and uh, get you ready for the games. And uh, that's what we always uh, aim to do is try to uh, keep everybody informed of what's going on, uh, not only in the SEC, but all throughout college football. Give them a follow on Twitter, at DanMatthewsATLMatthews1T. Dan, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks so much, Chris. Always great catching up with you. Locked on SEC rolling along here. Yeah, some of the uh, early betting lines are coming out for some of the games this weekend. Later in the week, we will get into a full preview of all the games going into week two. And, yes, I'll keep calling it week two. If you go to ESPN's website or some of the other websites, they'll list it as week five. Look, I don't care what those other conferences did. SEC is all that matters. And it was funny talking to a couple friends who were – Big Ten fans or Big 12 fans this week, they kind of said, yeah, didn't it really feel like college football started this past weekend? I said, yeah, because the whole damn SEC's ranked in the top 25 seemingly. So, of course, it feels like college football really started now that the SEC is playing. But it is, we, we are heading into week two of the SEC. By the way, I want to remind you guys to uh, subscribe to this podcast, Locked on SEC. You get five days a week. And we have got some great guests coming up a little bit later in the week. Tim Brando is scheduled to stop by. One of uh, the best minds in college football. He's been on the call for a handful of games already. We'll talk uh, all things SEC with him. And then also Tate Casey will join us, the former Florida tight end. We'll get some thoughts on the Gators with him. So you don't want to miss those later this week. Let's get into it. Some of the early lines coming out. And, look, these may change as the week goes along, but I just wanted to hit on a couple of them. 11 o'clock Central, 12 o'clock Eastern coming up on Saturday morning. South Carolina is at Florida, should be a good one. Because South Carolina, I thought Colin Hill had some good moments the other night against Tennessee, but 
Florida is an 18 and a half point favorite. Now, when you think of Will Muschamp going back to the swamp and being a defensive minded coach, you just wonder, can he keep it closer than that? But, uh, man, when you saw Florida hang half a hundred this past week against Ole Miss, everything's clicking with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and company. And so, no reason to think why Florida can't cover that. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that line goes up even a little bit higher, but very prideful. Will Muschamp is in his defense. So, uh, again, my initial lean would be maybe South Carolina there, but I, I think that line may even go up a little bit more just on how good Florida's offense is. The other 11 a.m. game, Mizzou, is at number 21, Tennessee. Tennessee opens as an 11.5-point favorite. I think that's a little bit much. I would have leaned more towards a 10-point line there, but uh, Tennessee been on the win streak going back to last year. Mizzou did show some signs of life. Late, you know, late in the second half against Alabama the other night. So what you're basically previewing there is can they get the backdoor cover? Kind of like they did against Alabama. So, um, an interesting line there for Tennessee minus 11 and a half. The 230 CBS game A&M is going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. And Alabama's a 16 and a half point favorite. And I've seen a lot of people saying, look, I was high on A&M. I'm out on A&M after week one. Just, uh, Offensive showing they had against Vanderbilt this past week, lackluster, despite a veteran quarterback like Kellen Mond and Alabama showed you they are on their revenge tour. So Alabama 16 and a half, I'd lean Bama minus whatever. I just feel like they will put it on the Aggies. Three o'clock, Ole Miss is at Kentucky, a battle of two 0-1 teams. Kentucky, slight favorite at home, six and a half points. Man, if there's one thing that was scary those past week is Lane Kiffin He's just getting that offense going with Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. I wonder if Ole Miss can go in there and put up a bunch of points. Kentucky kind of shot themselves in the foot. They should have scored that touchdown right before halftime. They didn't. And then Auburn did a good job of tightening the screws on them in the second half. I feel like if Kentucky feels a little bit more comfortable at home, they can cover these points. But it figures to be a one-score game. Then at night, we get LSU trying to get their first win of the season going up to Vanderbilt at 6.30. There will be no fans in the stands at Vanderbilt Stadium in Nashville. LSU a 20-point favorite. It feels about right. I feel like some of the money will be coming in on Vanderbilt plus the points just because of what we saw from LSU this past weekend. But don't get it twisted. LSU was not clean offensively. They still scored a lot of points and put up a lot of yardage. Miles Brennan will get more comfortable as the starting quarterback for LSU. Keep in mind, we haven't even seen LSU really try to run the ball yet. It feels like they'll be successful in doing that. I feel like they take out their frustrations on Vandy and cover that 20. Also at 6.30, we get Arkansas at Mississippi State. Mississippi State opens as an 18-point favorite. Now, keep this in mind. If Mississippi State had gone to LSU and lost this past weekend, this line would be probably somewhere around 7, 7.5, somewhere in that in that territory. But because Mike Leach went out and put on an offensive showing and set records, that line is all the way up to 18. Arkansas did show some things in the first half. Felipe Franks and company, Kendall Bryles, bringing a different brand of offense to the Razorbacks. But Georgia really clamped down on them in the second half, and they were not able to do much of anything. Mississippi State, yeah, they got after Miles Brennan at times. I think it was seven sacks. Some of those were covered sacks. Some of those were not exactly earned by Mississippi State. But I still look at the fact they gave up all those yards and those points to LSU. So maybe Arkansas able to score some points. 
I think they lose still, but maybe it's closer than 18. So I would lean maybe Arkansas plus the 18. But if we see anything, Mike Leach is going to let it all hang out on offense and run up the score. And then lastly, Auburn at Georgia, number seven Auburn at number four Georgia. Georgia opens as a full touchdown favorite by seven points. I just wonder, look, Bo Nix, are we going to get the first half Bo Nix against Kentucky or the second half Bo Nix against Kentucky, who was much better throwing to Seth Williams, hitting him with those touchdowns? Georgia, you wonder what is in store for them at the quarterback spot. That's going to be the big topic of this week. How many quarterbacks do they play? And really, do they need a guy to step up to win this game against Auburn? Can they do it just leaning on their stout defense and get that run game going with Samir White? It will be an interesting one, and it will one that will continue to break down throughout the week here on the Locked on SEC podcast. But, man, Georgia and the quarterback seems like something we haven't really had to worry about in some time, especially in the Kirby Smart era. That is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked on SEC podcast. Again, subscribe. Make sure you're getting our fresh episodes every day of the week, five days a week. And remember to check us out throughout the week. We'll have some great guests coming up. Like I mentioned, Tate Casey, former tight end from Florida, and also the great Tim Brando from Fox Sports. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Go check out one of our brothers over on the Locked on LSU podcast with Matt Pascona or the Locked on Razorbacks with John Neighbors. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.